Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Well, it finally happened. After a decade of talking about it, we officially are proud owners of a greenhouse. It took us about a month to get it built. Some of you followed along with a little bit of the progress over on Instagram. The snowstorm in the middle of it all definitely didn't help with our timeline, but as of last week, it is finally done. Now, I've been getting a lot of questions about the logistics of the greenhouse, and I've kind of been holding everybody off until we finished it because I wasn't sure what sort of revelations or details would come as we wrapped up the project. But now that it's mostly done, I wanted to give you all the ins and outs of how and why we built our Wyoming greenhouse and our plan of how to make it work. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers. The mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the place for you. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a quick minute because I have a really exciting announcement. For many, many years, I have relied heavily on planners to keep our full life in flow, but I have always struggled to find one that fits the uniqueness of a homestead lifestyle. The planners I've used in the past always kind of left me wanting more. They would contain weekly spreads that never quite fit our life, and they never took into account all the moving pieces of an old-fashioned lifestyle. You know, things like meal planning, gardening, preserving, or seasonal living. So I decided to make my own, and I am so excited to introduce to you today the Old Fashioned On Purpose Planner. It's designed for homesteaders by homesteaders. It's the planner I have wished for for years, and it is loaded with helps, cheat sheets, templates, and guides to streamline your homegrown lifestyle, whether you live on 100 acres or you're just homesteading in your backyard. Head on over to prairieplanner.com and I'll show you a sneak peek of the inside. I also put together a bunch of bonuses to go with it and guess what? Free shipping. That's www.prairieplanner.com. Now back to our episode. Okay, so I think a while back, I'm like the worst podcast host ever. I don't even know which number it is, but I don't know, a couple episodes ago, more than a couple, I talked about some greenhouse information. I think I talked about like the difference between cold frames and hoop houses and greenhouses and all that stuff. So if you want more of like a foundational greenhouse episode, you might want to scroll back into the library of this podcast and find that one. But this episode in particular is more just about our personal greenhouse journey of how we came to the kit and the project that we did. Um, Like I mentioned in the intro, this is something Christian and I have discussed for a very long time. And I cannot tell you how many friends and even uh, blog readers have come to me over the years and gone, Jill, why don't you guys have a greenhouse? This is ridiculous. You need a greenhouse. Um, And so we, it always was on the table, but it kind of continually got pushed to the bottom of the to-do list or the priority list. It just never was quite a priority. And also part of me, a small part of me was a little hesitant to dive into the world of greenhouse growing because I kind of enjoy 
the break. I'll be honest. I like gardening, but sometimes I need a break. And there have been many years where the frost came and I was like, hallelujah, thank goodness it's over. And I I would go back and forth with Christian like, I really want a greenhouse. I love the idea of a greenhouse, but will I be like so over it by the end of the year? I really am going to regret having this secondary garden to deal with. So I guess technically that is still yet to be determined, but I'll give you some of my feelings and thoughts around that uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, But anyway, we decided that this was the year. We finally were ready to pull the trigger on the greenhouse. Primarily, I don't know why this was the year. I think it was twofold. First off, I won't say all of our big projects are done, but our most notable projects, like making sure our house had enough room for our children (laughs) and putting an addition on it and getting our corrals where they're usable and safe for our animals, like those sort of projects, we're done with those. We're always going to be improving and, I don't know, tweaking things. It's just how we are. But our big, big projects are done. And the other piece of this is, as you know, I don't have to remind you that 2020 has been weird, the weirdest year ever. And earlier this spring, I talked a lot here on the podcast about food stability and food security and really maximizing our ability to grow food and how I'm really feeling pulled toward that more. And even though at the time of this recording, grocery stores feel more stable than they have in the previous few months, I still can't shake this feeling of wanting to be a little more prepared. Um, and you know, you know what, even if there is never another blip in the grocery store supply chain in my lifetime, I, I feel like it's a win-win either way, right? Having our having an increased ability to grow food and have our food production lined out is a good thing, regardless. Um, and so for those reasons, that was kind of the, the time where like, you know what, let's invest in a greenhouse this year. Let's make it happen. Um, and so we move forward. Now, that being said, we had a really hard time getting this project off the ground. And you know what, Christian and I usually don't struggle with that as much. You know, sometimes he does more than I do. But generally, when we have this light bulb moment for a project, we're pretty good at just like making it happen. Like, ABC, let's do this. And we both got really mentally stuck on this whole greenhouse idea for a good couple of months. And that honestly is why it is late September at the time of this podcast recording And I just planted the greenhouse like a few days ago because we drug our feet so much at the beginning of the year, even though I knew the clock was ticking for getting things in the ground in 2020, we really, really struggled with uh, what I call, you know, paralysis by analysis. We've talked about that on the podcast before and how sometimes when we're looking down the barrel of these big projects that are out of our comfort zone, out of our immediate library of knowledge, it is so easy to get stuck. And like, you're looking at all the options and you're like, do I do a hoop house? Do I do a cold, just cold frames? Um, Will a greenhouse even work? Okay. Greenhouse it is, which kit? And so we kind of got in this spiral, a downward spiral, I would say of like, we would look online and Google for a little bit and then get overwhelmed and stop. And then I would buy a greenhouse book and I would get overwhelmed and stop. And so that's why it took us so long. I'm not super proud of that, but it is what happened. And I feel like it's important to talk about those things because whether you're homesteading or you're doing business projects or you're doing, I don't know, event planning, any sort of project, that 
sense of overwhelm and paralysis is, is quite common. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to work through it. So what we ultimately did to get us through this place of being stuck with this project um, was a couple things. I think the biggest one though, is there was like a day when I sat down with a Christian and I'm like, you know what, we got to get this going. So what needs to happen first? And I literally took us, him and I, <laughs> through what I call my get it done uh, project framework, which I've talked about on previous episodes. For those of you who ordered my planner or who plan to order my planner, each month has a get it done breakdown. But I literally, we used that for this greenhouse project. And I'm like, okay, what's the first thing that needs to happen in order for us to make a decision around this project? And we're like, well, we got to figure out if we're going to use a hoop house or a greenhouse. And so we wrote that down and then we wrote down, you know, find the right kit, talk to the experts, like whatever. But that was honestly what got us out of this place of being bound up um, around what to do. But as you probably figured, we, we ended up going with an actual greenhouse. I wanted so badly to get a hoop house because they're cheaper. Uh, they're not as like permanent. You can kind of, sometimes you can move them. I don't know. They just, it just felt like less commitment. Does that make sense? Oddly enough, I was like, I need a less commitment option for this. And so hoop houses, if you live in a normal area of the country or world, it has normal climate. I would say hoop houses will very likely be an incredible option for you. For us, it is not an incredible option. And I even, even though my brain knew the answer, I needed someone to tell me definitively. So I found someone who is, I think he's, I found him on the internet, <laughs> but he is known for kind of being a greenhouse guru in Wyoming. He's done some builds and written a few papers through, I think, the University of Wyoming. So I somehow found his email address on the World Wide Web, and I randomly sent him an email. And I was like, hi, Jeff, my name is Jill, and I live in Chugwater, Wyoming. And it is extremely, you know, harsh, and I figured he probably knew the climate. And I'm like, do you think there's any chance possible that... Um, I could make a hoop house work. And I was kind of hoping he would be like, sure, like there's some really strong plastic you can get. And yeah, sure enough, bless his heart. He did write me back, which I greatly appreciated. And he's basically like, no, <laughs> there's no way a hoop house is going to work for you. But that was the confirmation I needed to know that. Um, okay, greenhouse it was. So once we had that uh, narrowed down, we started to look at companies that sold greenhouse kits. Now, we did go back and forth initially. Do we buy a kit or do we build it ourselves? Christian is really good at building things um, from scratch. Like he he was basically the general contractor for our home edition. He's been in construction his whole life. He knows how to build things without instructions. But we ultimately, uh, kind of this is surprisingly for us, I guess, we went with a kit because it had all the materials and we might have had to, I don't know, we, we crunched the numbers. It seemed pretty close, but Potentially, we paid a little bit more to have the convenience of a kit, but for us, that was worth it for this particular project because um, we were on this we're on this time crunch, right? We kind of cut ourselves short. We wanted to get things planted, and we knew that if we had a kit with instructions and the materials counted out and cut out for us, it'd be a little bit faster, which I do think that helped in the long run. So anyway, we went with a greenhouse kit from Greenhouse Megastore. We literally found them on Google. Um, they've been really great to work with. Christian talked to, uh, I think, 
maybe it was the same guy or a couple different guys, but he talked to some of their greenhouse experts on the phone before we ordered, which was greatly appreciated because they were able to give us really detailed information. And he was able to explain our weather issues here and how much wind and hail we get. And they were able to point us to the right packages. So um, by the way, this is not a paid advertisement for them. They don't even know I'm recording this episode. I'm just telling you how it went. Um, It was a good experience. I would order from them again. We ended up going with, I have it in my notes here, a senior, where is my notes? Senior teaching package. Um, That's the name of the greenhouse kit. It is a 24 by 48, which is quite large. And this was something else that we really agonized over. Um, Do we go with little, like honestly, at the very beginning of this process, we were all but convinced that we were going to build a like 12 by 12 or a 10 by 10 greenhouse and tuck it up near our garden um, in like kind of in the lilac bush. And I had figured, well, you know, I'll use that and I can just start my seeds in there and it'll just give me a little bit of extra room to plant more tomato seeds in the spring and then I'll transfer them to the garden. And that was the original plan. But then as you, many of you know, from previous episodes, I, excuse me, found Elliot Coleman and his books and just to give you a quick nutshell review of that, Elliot Coleman has really championed the idea of a fourth season garden and growing in the winter and not growing in the winter necessarily with lots of heaters and fossil fuels, but growing vegetables throughout the winter um, in an organic and a sustainable way. And one of his primary methods for doing that is greenhouses and hoop houses with strategic coverings and double coverings. And so when I started to read his books, I realized that I not only wanted a greenhouse to start seeds, but I also wanted to be able to plant in the ground. And as I explained this all to Christian, he we realized really quickly that, you know, a 10 by 10 or a 12 by 12 is not going to be enough for us to have seeds starting plus in-ground greenhouse growing. So it's big. Um, the other reason we went with a little bit of a larger size is we do have plans in the future to potentially sell seedlings commercially. Um, I would, we've had friends who've done that. I'm, that's really attractive to me. You know, if I could start heirloom vegetables or flowers and then, you know, find folks locally who would like those options. Um, I think that could be a cool little business, potentially a business that our kids help us with. And so we knew we needed, need something a little bit larger in order to make that happen. So it's a 24 by 48. Absolutely bigger than I originally thought, but I think it's good. And <clears throat> I've learned in the past that it's usually at least for us to better to err on the side of big versus little because I usually end up having harebrained ideas and wanting to add more or do more than I originally thought. So there you have it. And uh, okay, I got a few more specifics on this. I had to literally go ask Christian this this morning so I could speak about this in a semi-intelligent manner um, for you guys here on the podcast. But it they, The greenhouse has an eight-foot sidewall, for those of you who care. Some of you are like, I don't care, but I know some of you will ask. So eight-foot sidewall, it is twin-wall polycarbonate. So it's like these plastic sheets. It is not plastic rolled um, material, right? Sometimes the rolls of plastics are what they put over hoop houses or high tunnels or low tunnels, and that's fantastic. But when you live in high wind and high hail areas, that stuff gets shredded real quick. So we went with this twin wall polycarb. It is a post and pole 
building, which means we didn't have to pour a concrete foundation or a pad. I think Christian in his construction glory would have actually thought it was fun to pour concrete for it. And I was like, no, because I want to be able to plant in the grounds. It's really important to me. So it is just post and pull. And that is it. This particular greenhouse, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting like a frog in my throat. I'm trying not to cough into the mic. So if I sound like Kermit the Frog, that's why. Bear with me. Um, it has a 115 mile per hour wind rating. And we specifically picked one with that because like I've explained many times in the past, we get hurricane force winds out here on the prairie. And we put the greenhouse back kind of behind our tree row and behind our existing garden. It's out in the pasture in essence, and there's not a lot of protection for it. I think eventually we're going to plant um, some tree rows around it, not so close that it would block the sun, but you know, to, to be a little bit of a shelter belt for it. But it's going to take a little bit for those trees. Well, let me be honest. It's going to take a long time for those trees to get big enough. So we needed to um, have it be able to withstand the elements on its own without being protected. And so 115 miles an hour, I think we'll be okay. Um, on one end, it has louvers um, and like, you know, vents. I call them vents. Christian calls them louvers. But they'll open up. And right now they have to open manually because we do not have electricity out to the greenhouse. But, you know, we wanted to be able to keep it well vented because, man, even though it's September and it's, you know, not as hot as it was earlier this year, that that building gets crazy hot, which I feel like is you know, stating the obvious. You're like, duh, gel greenhouses are supposed to get hot. But it's impressively hot, <laughs> even when it's, you know, 75 or 80 outside. And I know that um, growing all summer long is probably not something I'll be doing. I'll probably grow into the fall and the winter and the spring. But when summer rolls around, I will really shift my energy to my outdoor garden because that greenhouse is going to get so blazing hot. But I wanted to have fans and airflow for those, you know, later spring days when it there's things still growing inside the greenhouse that need to have some cool air so they don't just fry to death. So it has louvers and an exhaust fan that has some circulation fans. It also, we specifically put an eight by eight roll up door in our kit. Um, right now it also has like a man door, but, and I'm really just using the man door, but we did want to have the option of that bigger door just in case in the future we need to, I don't know, add more soil, take soil out, um, add a bunch of compost or amendments. We wanted to have the ability to roll like a, a tractor or a skid loader in there. I don't foresee us doing that every year, but having that as an option is good, I think. So a bay door, we can also roll that up to help get some breeze in there. We plan to get water um, dug out, like our, dig out a, our water line out to the greenhouse at some point. We haven't done that yet. So I'm just dragging like a million miles of hose at the, at this point. Um, oh, this is important. We did not get the heater. So the senior teaching package kit generally, or can come with a heater. I did not get the heater, which saved us some money. And I don't know. I, I know that that's an option. Like a lot of commercial greenhouses have heaters for me. I really, am attracted to the idea of being able to grow um, without a bunch of, you know, fuel and paying for fuel to grow the vegetables. And also I love Elliot, Elliot Coleman's philosophy of, you know, he's like, 
don't, you don't have to force something to grow when it's not supposed to. So instead of like trying to get tomatoes to grow in January and having to use all of this extra, you know, heat and fuel to keep, to keep that going, why not save the tomatoes and let them be seasonal and grow the things that are going to be hardier during those colder months. And so I've really been drawn, excuse me, really drawn to that idea. And that's why we didn't get the heater. Okay. What else do I have on my notes here? Um, so on the inside of the greenhouse right now, it is just dirt. So the day that the, the guys finished construction, Christian added a couple bucket loads with our skid loader of composted manure. And then they tilled it up with our little hand rototiller. And I went in and planted immediately because we are so late, so late. Um, but next spring or maybe into this winter, I don't know, whatever feels inspiring to me. I really want to make it a welcoming place, like a beautiful place. And so along one side, kind of the front side where the roll-up door is, I want to put a little bit of maybe pea gravel or paver bricks to give it a nice platform. We can put our tubs of potting soil or maybe some benches there. I want to have a walkway down the middle. I don't know if that'll be board or brick at this point. We'll have to see. And then down at the other end, I'd like to have some sort of pad of brick potentially or pavers that I could put a little table and chair set. I just want it to be somewhere that is really aesthetically pleasing uh, and enjoyable to be because I'm just picturing it in the fall and the spring when Wyoming is just not friendly when you want to go outside that we can go into the greenhouses. It'll be a little bit warmer. It won't be tropical by any means, but it'll be a little more pleasant and we can just enjoy the growing and enjoy the green and enjoy the smell of soil. And that's kind of what I'm picturing. Um, so that's the plan. But like I said, it's just a big patch of dirt at this point. I think we'll also put in some more tables maybe this spring. Cause when I start to start seeds, I think I'll probably start them in my basement for the first week or two and then transfer them out to the greenhouse which will give me a lot more room, right? Because I'm kind of maxed out in my basement grow light system at this point. So I can grow more things, start more seeds, which saves me a lot of money in my personal gardening, not to mention if I decide to sell seedlings to the public. But we'll have maybe tables or benches along one side of the greenhouse to hold all of the trays of seedlings. As far as my long-term plans, I feel like this episode is really rambly. So I'm sorry if, if it's not... If it's rambly, my apologies, but I'm just kind of spitting stuff out as it comes to mind. Um, my my plan for this, because I've had, you know, I feel like there's some confusion, or at least I felt confused when I started shopping for the greenhouse. You know, I'm like, well, should we grow in the ground? Or should, should it be a seed starting greenhouse? Or, you know, are we going to be growing plants all summer? Or are we growing mature tomatoes? Like, how is this going to work? Like, there's a lot of ways to use a greenhouse. So here's here's my plan. We'll see. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it pans out. But right, as of right now, how I would want, how I want to use this is basically so I can get a longer growing season in Wyoming. I plan to put fall crops, plant those in August and September, uh, maybe even July. I think it's going to be a little hot in there in July, so probably more August, September. And then the plan is for these crops to get a good couple months of growth before it gets so cold that they go dormant. Now, according to Elliot Coleman, and we'll see, we'll see how this works in Wyoming, his methods this year. Uh, if you can get some of those hardy greens established, 
the ones that are really tough against the cold weather, they will kind of just maintain themselves in the coldest parts of the year. Like even December and January, he says that they will, they won't necessarily freeze. Some of them you might need to put a secondary cover over, which I'm totally fine with, but they'll maintain themselves without a heater in those cold months. Now come February, March, things get a little bit wilty, puny, whatever. But my goal is to be able to have fresh greens at least until November, December, January. And like I said, I don't know how this is going to work for us. We'll just see how it goes. I may need to cover with some more plastic. I know Elliot Coleman talks about, you know, you're inside the hoop house or you're inside the greenhouse, but he'll still put a row cover during the coldest nights, which makes total sense. So that is my plan. Then come spring, we'll really shift our focus to starting our seeds in there. And then I, I imagine I'll not be in the greenhouse as much June, July, August, probably. Uh, I'll be really focused on my outside garden. And then we'll start the cycle again come fall when it's time to cultivate those winter crops. But that's the plan. I'm excited for this because, like I said, our season is so short. And I feel like I have to cram so much growing in such a short window. Like literally June to August are our only months where it's fairly certain it won't freeze. And that's that's not that long, right? It's really short. And so this is just going to give me more wiggle room on either side. So I'm really looking forward to it. And honestly, um, yeah, I have no clue what we're doing beyond what the plans I told you today. It's really a process of trial and error. You know, I've read some books. We've talked to some experts. I've done everything I can to prepare. But I'm now at the point where it's time to just jump off the cliff and build the airplane on the way down. And so that's what I'm doing. I planted a whole bunch of stuff last week, mostly greens. I didn't do any of the bigger vegetables like cabbage or broccoli because they just don't have enough time. But I've got the greens in. I'm watering them. I have a few of them already coming up. And in a different episode, I'll give you the details of the greens and why I picked what I did. Um, this one's getting long enough probably. But anyway, I'll see what happens. I think some of it'll work. I think some of it won't. But this is kind of how I attack a lot of homesteading things. And it's, it goes back to one of my favorite sayings, action cures fear. And I would say there was definitely some trepidation and some fear with us starting this greenhouse project. And each step that we've taken, the past becomes clear and it just gets a little bit easier. So I will absolutely keep you posted with how everything goes. Expect more podcast episodes and YouTube videos and social media posts. I'll be posting pictures and let you know how my experiments go. There's not a lot of information on Wyoming greenhouses that I can find. And so I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit of a guinea pig in that realm of figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. So I'm sure I'll have plenty of wins and fails, probably a lot of fails to share with you. So anyway, that's the scoop on the greenhouse. If you happen to live in a super cold climate and you have a greenhouse or a hoop house and you have any tricks or tips for me, please do send them my way. I am all ears. Hey friend, if you are curious about getting a little bit more creative with your gardening on your homestead, whether it's big or small, I have a whole little mini ebook that I put together that explains the whole process of how I grow vegetables in my raised beds. And even if you don't grow, have raised beds like me, um, I think you'll get some good tips from it. You can access that for free 
over at theprairiehomestead.com slash raiseddeadguide. And we'll drop that link in the show notes as well. But thought that might be helpful for all of my gardening friends. And that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If it was helpful for you, feel free to take a screenshot and post it over on Instagram. Give me a tag. I love to share what you've been learning or your takeaways or your posts. It's always fun to see. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here. And we will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.